Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. Um, I hope you all enjoying the worst winter that I can remember on record. Uh, I moved out to New England from New York thinking I'd have snow all the time, and it's been disappointing ever since we moved up here. But it's a good day because later today, I'll be on the couch all day watching football, and the New England Patriots will be right there with me. And that's all I could want from New England. Yeah, baby, I told you I'm from New York. I'll be getting permission to be up here, so I got to say it. But it's a good Sunday in New England. One of my worst memories, I think, of all time was I was... Uh, I've been at Camp Spofford for a while. Um, Albie lives right across the road, and obviously he's a friend of camp. So he invited me over to the Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Seahawks, if you remember that one. And that, that was the worst experience, because as soon as they got that interception at the goal line, Albie picked up his dog, and he started dancing around with him in the room. And I was just wallowing in pity on the floor. <laughs> uh, because I'm a Jets fan, so wallowing comes naturally to me. I know. I get it. I understand. Um, so yeah, I work at camp. Uh, my name is Tori. Uh, I have uh, a wife, Alyssa, and a little 13-month boy, Axel. Um, and it, it's funny, like when you're a parent, things I used to like um, get frustrated with with other parents becomes very like natural to me. Like I remember um, like being in church and pastors, like guest pastors that would become familiar, would like always show pictures of their kids, and I was like, nobody wants to see this dude. Um, and it took everything in me not to like show you a video of my boy or like um, the kid who like makes noise in the back. Like I used to like turn around and be like, can you take him out of the service, please? And now it's like, you don't think anyone heard that, babe, right? That probably wasn't that bad. Just, meanwhile, the like, lady in front of me is trying to like get her hearing back, right? So it's just it's funny what changes when you're a parent. Um, so all that said, right, uh, I'm going to get to Axel in a second. But um, if you're new to the church, um, we typically like to do like a series, um, a group of messages that kind of connect with each other over the span of like a month or two. We're not in one yet. Uh, we're starting that next week. Um, so I'll be kind of gave you permission to kind of go wherever I wanted to, which is kind of a daunting task a little bit uh, because it's always kind of easier necessarily to have your assignment given to you um, and then kind of just plan for that. Um, so whenever I have kind of a, a message or a series where I can do whatever I want, technically, um, I always try to uh, hear God's voice in what he wants me to speak about. And maybe you've heard that in church before, and it's like, okay, cool. How do you do that? Um, and for me, it's basically um, whatever is kind of flooded in my mind. Um, like before a speaking opportunity, usually I just find myself thinking of something over and over again, uh, and I usually take that to mean God speaking to me, God putting those thoughts in my mind, and I trust him to do that. And recently, within the past month, um, I've been thinking of Axel a lot, and in particular, I have been noticing how people respond to Axel when he's around town, uh, or when people see him. Um, so right, we, you walk through Walmart, you walk through Target, and everybody, right, sees a baby and they think it's adorable. But like a lot of people think it's adorable like you'd see a puppy. Like they come up to Axel and be like, oh my goodness, how old is he? What's his name? Can I hold him? Can I pet him? He's beautiful, right? It's like this little puppy that you, you think is cute. It's like, no, you can't pet him, but his name is Axel, okay? But... There is a difference that I've noticed with the look 
and the response from old people, from older people. And I'm not stupid enough to define what older person means. So if you feel like you're in that age group, that's for you to say, okay? Um, and a lot of this is total speculation for sure. But to me, uh, it seems like when older folks look at Axel, um, there is that sense of joy that just comes from him being cute. But there's also like a deeper, almost like twinkle of reflection in their eye when they look at Axel. Um, and this is where I'm kind of speculating, because um, I don't know what they're thinking. But I would imagine, right, the first reaction is that thing is cute. And the second reaction is maybe a thought about what life was like when they had a kid that age back then. And who knows what's tied to that. But I'm sure following that thought comes different emotions, like pride in the family that they were able to raise, or regret in things that they wish they did when their kids were that age, or regret that they weren't able to have kids ever, right? There's some kind of deep trigger with older people when they look at him that I visibly see in their eyes. And just that has been on my mind often for the past month. And I, as I've been kind of preparing to share, that's where I feel like God wanted me to focus on for a little bit too. Um, because so I'm not a very deep person, by the way. So like when I have thoughts like this, I'm kind of like, well, this didn't come from nowhere. So let's just kind of ride it and see where it goes. And what I've been kind of thinking like that in my old life is when I am their age, what do I want that emotion to be for me when I think back on Axel? Because if you're a parent, you know this. If you're not, uh, let me confirm that parenting is just as difficult and hard as they say that it is. Um, and there are lots of awesome, cute, wonderful moments. But then there's a lot of moments that are just, they get old and they get tiring, right? Uh, it's cute at first when he starts to like cry and not eat. But after five minutes, you want the kid to eat, right? It's, it's not fun to change diapers. I'm amazed at how often I have to consider the the texture and the smell and the color and the consistency and the amount of diapers and I'm a germaphobe that doesn't happen with me usually so it's overwhelming when I have to think of the diapers and that happens all the time and there's so many different things that stack up when you have to raise a kid to think about and the interesting part is um, about a month ago I we dropped Axel off of my parents for a week as me and my wife went to a conference down in North Carolina and it's so interesting to me to watch their reaction with him because things like dirty diapers are almost like exciting to them yeah i know right or like when he screams it's the cutest thing in the world or like when he's throwing a temper tantrum it's like adorable and i'm like no it's not <laughs> this is very frustrating and very old and in in my mind where i am in life right now right they raised me 30 years ago when, when i was a baby but 30 years is a long time, and you forget some things that happen. So when they come again, there's this new sense of joy to be had. So all of this has led me to consider a super important concept to me, right? And that is, am I making the most of what I have right now? And am I finding joy in it? So the kind of tagline I want you to think of in the next, whatever, 15 minutes is joy in the mundane. 
Joy in the, the normal things of life. We're not talking about the extremes today uh, of like when you're really in a difficult situation in life or really when you're on top of the mountain. We're talking about the everyday mundane kind of things. Are you finding joy in that? So that's where we're going to go, and we're going to look at Luke 10 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to talk about uh, three people, really two of them, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Raise your hand if you know Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Sweet. All right. So I'm going to get to Luke 10 in a second, but let me first paint you the backstory of these three people. Okay. So there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. Okay. There's uh, the like mother of Jesus, Mary. Okay. Not her. There is Mary Magdalene, like the first person to run to the tomb and see Jesus and the one who's possessed by demons. Not her. This is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Okay. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are siblings and they're all living together in a town called Bethany. So later on in the Bible, um, it says that they're from Bethany, and this is what I'll just give you, I'll be very honest with you. In my research, I was trying to figure out what Bethany was all about, and it's actually kind of vague and unknown, but if you look up the meaning of Bethany in the Bible, it means really two things. It means house of dates, which is a kind of fruit, um, so you could probably imagine that there were a lot of like date trees or bushes, or I don't know how they grow. There's a lot of dates where they were in Bethany. Uh, and the second thing it means is house of misery. So Mary, Martha, Lazarus, some people think that they lived in this section uh, of the nation for sick people, for outcasts, for those with disabilities, for those on the fringes of society. And so even if that's not confirmed in your mind, we do know for sure that these three were outcasts because uh, it, back in that time, right, if you were a woman, you had your um, status by being married to a man. If you were a single woman, not old enough to be or old enough to be married and right not living with your parents, um, then you were on the fringes of society. Right, That doesn't sit well with us now in our culture for sure. But that's how it was back then. So for Martha and Mary, two single women, to be living with their brother with no parents indicates that this family is having a really tough time in life. Are you with me so far? Right, That's important to the story. And we hear three stories about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as we go in scripture. One of them is when Lazarus rises from the dead. We're not talking about it today. But there's two other important ones that I do want to focus on. And the first one is in Luke 10. So let me just kind of read it. And again, with this, we are, we are talking about a family who is struggling to pay for their meals and struggling to have people that have their back. Think about the outcasts in our society now, how they live. And this is these three. So this is how it goes in Luke 10. I'll read it to you and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Now, as they went on their way, they is Jesus uh, and his gang of disciples. Jesus entered a village with his Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, 
you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So let's just kind of talk about it, put it in kind of more plain context for us, right? Again, let's look at the culture back in that time too. Jesus and his friends, they just show up at the house. Uh, they, they walk in, Mary and Martha welcomes them in. So now all of a sudden, right, um, Martha is in full prep mode because again, back then, uh, the women would have been responsible for preparing a meal, taking care of the guests in the home. So Jesus comes in with his guys and they're sitting in the living room. Lazarus is with him, kicking his feet up, watching football, right? And Martha is in the kitchen and she's preparing for all of these men that came into her house. Now think about her position as an outcast. If I already don't have too much money to pay for my own family and all these guys come in and maybe I haven't swept yet, maybe I haven't mopped, right? This is where the Bible isn't like a children's story and it doesn't like walk us through each emotion and thought that Mary has. It gives us context and then we need to kind of put ourselves in that context and figure out what Mary might have been doing. And I imagine this isn't like a fun, nice situation where Mary's friends came over. This is stressful. She doesn't know how she's going to pull it off, but she knows that there's this pressure on her. Maybe as an outcast and Jesus walks in the room, he's kind of a big deal back then. This is Jesus. Maybe this is her chance to like get out of the, the situation she was in. So I would imagine if I was her, I would want to put on a great meal and have that pressure on me. So Martha is in the kitchen making all these things happen. Her sister Mary is in the living room with the men sitting and doing nothing. And in Martha's mind, she's like, Mary's in the same position as me. She should be helping me make this food. And I can only imagine like Martha is just in the kitchen, like making her stew or like kneading I like to stew things better. She's just like making her stew, right? And like just looking in the living room. And she's thinking like, how long is she going to stay in there for? Is she trying to get a man? She knows she's not going to get a man. She's tried that before, right? And she's just like making her pot and stewing in her mind, angry at Mary. Like, when is she going to come and help me put this all together? And eventually... Like she gets so angry, she puts everything down and she walks over to the living room and she just goes to Jesus directly. And she's like, Jesus, Mary's just sitting here. I have all of this work to do. I have all these preparations to make. Can you tell her to come and help me? So that's the situation where Martha is. Jesus responds, let's look at the first thing that he says back to Mary, back to Martha rather. He says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And here's the moment where everything that was speculated based on her situation and the context of history and all that comes to fruition because Jesus says it to Martha. He senses her anxiety and her stress and her frustration. And he's like, girl, you have got it going on right now. You are stressed. You are tired. You are troubled. And he acknowledges that Martha is feeling this way. But the second thing that he says in response to Mary, is he says, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, 
which will not be taken away from her. And he, he looks at Mary essentially and he says, what she's doing is better than what you're doing. And this is the kind of deal where um, you can study the Bible over and over and over again. And each time you look at it, God will show you new things about it. And there's multiple things that you can take away from the story. Um, we're not going to look at this, but one quick thing that Jesus is doing is totally flipping expectations, right? Because if this was true of the culture and Mary's job should have been preparing and he's like, no, really, you should be just with me. That's a complete reversal of what used to be. And I would imagine if I'm Lazarus, like watching this, listening to Jesus, uh, I'm like freaking out because I'm like, am I going to have to start doing stuff around here? Is that what that means, Jesus? This, this really is Mary's thing. She should get in there and clean, right? But Jesus is like, no, be with me. And what Jesus is trying to tell Martha is not that what she has to do is not important. He's trying to get her to realize that she's missing the most important thing, and that's him. She had, she was preparing food and she was focused on what she had to do and the mundane responsibilities of her life that she totally forgot that the king was in the other room. And she could have had access to him just like Mary did. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach and trying to show. So in that story, let's transport you there. And my question for you is today, do you identify more with Martha or do you identify more with Mary? Which one are you today? Because we're always one and it changes. We're not always Mary and we're not always Martha, right? Are you in a place in your life where you just feel overwhelmed by the mundane, right? It's not the extremes. It's just life is messy. Life is muddy. Is that where you are? Or are you in the situation where Mary was? Because she was in the same position as Martha. She had the same kind of life, the same kind of difficulties, the same kind of struggles, the same expectations were put on her. And she chose to focus on Jesus. And she found joy there because her attention was in the right spot. Which one are you? Where do you feel like you are? I remember... Um, when I was in college, college was not a friend to me, um, mostly because um, I, I always had a hard time making friends uh, growing up. And then in high school, I really found this group that clicked. We were awesome, awesome friends. Um, and for three years, we did everything together. Life was wonderful. And then you go to college and all of that is stripped away, right? Right? No one knows you. No one cares if you were the quarterback of the football team or no one like knows what your favorite joke is, right? The Ben Rector song, like old friends, no one knew what kind of inline skates that I wore, right? I was all alone. And I didn't handle that well. And for, for really four years, I struggled with loneliness and depression because I didn't have people that were on my side and I didn't really feel like people wanted to be on my side. And that's honestly part of the reason I work at Camp Spofford because at camp, I did feel that, but the rest of the year I didn't. And in the situation, I felt isolated and I didn't see Jesus next to me. 
But now as, as I'm the older person in this situation, just like the older people looking at Axel, I look at my situation there and I see people who are trying to reach out to me and be my friend that I just totally missed. And I see situations and skills that God gave me to serve that I just never took advantage of because I was focused so intently on right now what I feel like, what is happening to me. And I missed it. It's so easy to do. And in this story, Jesus doesn't come up, come in and clean up Mary and Martha's life. He doesn't do that. They're just the same as they were when he leaves than when he came. But he tries to change their perspective. So here's the perspective question I want you to, to take out of here later today. Okay? What do your messy moments look like? Where is your attention? And this is not the kind of message that is trying to change your situation, but it's trying to change the perspective you have in the situation. Knowing that we don't deal the cards, we just have to play the hand that we have. And we have something that most people have no access to. And we have access to the joy of Jesus. John 16 uh, talks about this joy a little bit. And I'm not going to spend much time here at all. This is just a quick anecdote, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples um, about his impending death. And this is what their first time is about. Now is your time of grief, right? Before I die. And he says, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will be able to take away your joy. They can try and they will try. But no one's going to be able to do it because I am with you at all times. And that's what Jesus says to the disciples before his death. We get to live in a time after his death. So this automatically applies. If you know Jesus, you have access to a joy that nobody can take away regardless of how hard they try. And regardless of where you find yourself in your life. That's where you are if you know Jesus. So what do your messy moments look like? What are you focusing on? Ben, you can come on up. So to to close this out today and to kind of take this philosophy, this idea, and make it a little practical for you. Because it's easy to just kind of tell you that if you know Jesus, you can have joy. But I always like to give you a place to start. Because that principle is true, but I think Jesus gives us tangible ways to play it out. And one of of the first things you can do is look as your situation that you're in as an opportunity to serve other people. I I had a a pile of dishes um, on the title slide. Uh, And you can look at the dishes as something you need to do, something to get done in your house. Or you could look at it as an opportunity to serve the other people in your house. And to serve your family. You can look at your situation at work where you don't have too many coworkers with you that get along or you don't really have a boss that treats you well and you have an opportunity to show them who Jesus is and how he treats people. Right? Nothing changes about the situation, but your perspective on the situation, dealing with what you have and focusing on Jesus sitting right next to you in the room changes everything because there's one more story with Martha and Mary that I told you about and it's later on and it's this story where Mary is washing the feet of Jesus with perfume do you remember the story at all 
It's the same thing, Jesus, they're at, they're at the house. Martha is in the kitchen, and she's preparing a meal. And Martha takes this expensive perfume and washes Jesus' feet with it. And old Mary, the one who's focused on her poverty and the situation, if she sees Mary take this expensive bottle of perfume that may be the nicest thing they have and put it on Jesus' feet, she might have come in and said something. But absent from that story is Martha. All we know is that Martha was making a meal in the kitchen. And I imagine this time she has her stew and she's making her meal, but her ears are totally in the living room and she's filled with joy just listening and watching her sister serve Jesus because she realizes now what it's all about and what the perspective of her life needs to be. What do your messy moments look like? Are you a Martha? Are you a Mary? And if you're a Mary, continue to pursue Jesus in that joy. And if you're a Martha, would you see the small ways that Jesus is in your life and see how the joy of Jesus starts to flow out of you in a super practical way? We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.